Would you please turn with me to your study outlines? And as you turn, let me welcome those of you that are joining us online, as well as our friends in Kalispell, Montana, and also Arco, Idaho. We are so glad uh, that you're joining us for our study here today. We're continuing our series called Clarity, Clarifying Questions About Faith. And today we're going to deal with the question, are miracles possible? Are miracles possible? What's wrong, Bubba? Asked the pastor. I need you to pray for my hearing, said Bubba. The pastor put his hands on Bubba's ears and prayed. When he was done, he asked, so how's your hearing? I don't know, said Bubba. It isn't until next Tuesday. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's like really stupid. And, uh, but I just love that joke. And, uh, and just keep thinking about it. It's a delayed joke. You know, you'll be driving home later on and just, ah, okay. So at any rate, uh, I am a simple man, as you can tell from that joke. And uh, simple in many ways. L- last night was another example of this. Uh, Kimberly and I were at a, a very prestigious affair down in Newport Beach at a fancy country club and with kind of the elite of Newport Beach down there. And I literally walked into the event. I was re- reaching over to shake the hands of the general manager for the Lakers. And my daughter, Abigail, leans over and whispers to me, Dad, your fly is down. Your fly is down. That's what happens when you take a boy from Prince George County and stick him at a Newport Beach gathering. So at any rate, I took care of that quickly. I don't think anybody noticed. So you, do, you were not humiliated as a church. But, but I'm a simple man. And I, I was trying to make this message complicated. I wanted to make it sound fancy and intellectual. But it is, it is, it is a very simple answer to are miracles possible. And it goes like this. If you can prove, and I believe we can, as we did three weeks ago, as I'm going to share some more evidence today, if you can prove that God created the universe, it is child's play for him to do anything else. If you can prove that God created the universe, then miracles like we read about in the Bible, miracles that we hear happening in people's lives today, that is child's play to him. Let me give you another example. Here is again Pastor Randy and Cheryl's son uh, Grant along with his uh, wife Courtney and their grandbaby. This is Pastor Randy and Cheryl's grandbaby, very, very precious, cute child. Not quite as cute as Kimberly, my grandchildren, but you know, in the ballpark, close, you know, you know, I would say. And so anyway, Isla, there's Isla. And, uh, and Courtney, Grant is the assistant strength coach for the Packers, um, but Courtney is one of the top, was one of the top weightlifters in America. In, in her weight class for women, she was one of the top weightlifters in the United States. Okay. The two of them train Olympians in, in weight training and weightlifting. And she's one of the top weightlifters. So if she can prove that she can lift several hundred pounds above her head, then it is a small thing for her to hold baby Isla, right? And so the same thing is true with God. The big enchilada was creating the universe. It is, relatively speaking, smaller enchiladas to do the miracles that we read about in the Bible or that we hear happen in our lives. Uh, C.S. Lewis writes, if we admit God, must we admit the miracle? Indeed, indeed. You have no security against it. That is the bargain. Now, why did God do miracles? Well, because of what I like to call the king's seal. Uh, Back in antiquity, when you would travel and messengers would travel with a message from the king, you'd sit there and say, well, how do I know if it's from the king or not? And so the king had a signet ring that was very distinctive that he would press in the soft, uh, moistened wax, heated up wax, on the message with the king's seal. 
And so when people looked at it, they would say, this is legitimately from the king. The Bible is the only book in human history that has the king's seal on it. Every other book, you simply look at it and you say, okay, uh, do I want to accept it or do I not? And by faith, I accept what the writings are of Buddha or Confucius. Uh, the Koran, I was just uh, reading some apologetics and theologians uh, writing that were Muslim or Islamic um, uh, scholars and, and theologians. And one of them said, the miracle of Islam is the Koran. That, that is the miracle. And I'm like, okay, that may or may not be true. I understand that. But how do we, how do we know that? How, how, can you give me some objective tests to test that. No, this, they would say the Quran is the miracle. And you either accept the miracle or you reject the miracle. Only the Bible has the king's seal on it. And we've been looking at that for the last few weeks. The king's seal of thousands of fulfilled prophecies from thousands or hundreds of years before down to exact detail, sometimes down to the exact day, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it has, has thousands, tens of thousands of historical details that are, can be proved from other sources to be 100% accurate. Again, it's the king's seal. I just came across another one just this past week where the mid-century, the mid-first century, we're talking about a few years after the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus, just a few years later, a Roman historian named Phallus, he makes reference to the darkness of the sun at the time of the crucifixion as he tries to refute the apostles' claim. Now, this is fascinating. He didn't say the darkness didn't happen at the end of the crucifixion. He, he, didn't, he didn't say that. He, he was against Christianity. He was refuting. He was attacking Christians. But everybody knew the darkness had happened. It was just assumed. But what he did say is, he said it was a solar eclipse. He argues that the crucifixion had, by chance, taken place during a solar eclipse. So he, he, nobody was denying the darkness happened. They were just saying, well, it was an accident. It happened during a solar eclipse. Here's the problem. We now know when an eclipse will happen in the future. We can know from the orchestration of the solar system, when it, you know, the sun around the earth and the moon. We can know when it's going to happen in the future. We can know when it happened in the past. And scientists now say that it couldn't have had a solar eclipse during the Passover. And so this is just one of thousands and thousands of historical uh, miracles that show the signet ring, the king's seal on the Bible. Tens of thousands of archaeological details, the king's seal, uh, evidence from science uh, that we studied a couple weeks ago, the king's seal, the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus, the king's seal in which he put his, his signet ring on this book to say you can trust it, it's actually from the king and can be proven to have come from the king. Now, you'll see that the word, the, the Greek word for miracle is semios. And now I want you to know, I found an error in Eric Metaxas has a New York Times bestseller called Miracles, and I would highly recommend it. But our Greek scholar, New Testament scholar, Carl Tony, he says, you know, that's not the Greek word for, for signs. And I said, well, I'm sure I got that right out of the book. And I showed him in the book where it is. So our very own Sunday school teacher found errors from Eric Metaxas. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. We got smarter people here. But at any rate, it's a, it's a great book. But Samaios, or, or Carl would say it is actually Samaios, 
with S-E-M-E-I-O-S. What uh, that means in the scripture, it's translated as miracles, and it would be a sign. That is, it would be something that God would do to show that, that Jesus is the Son of God. Something that God would do as a sign uh, to say, this is legitimately uh, from me. And that's the purpose of the miracle, so that they, so the disciples, the followers of Jesus, would know he was who he claimed to be. That's why they followed, because Jesus' work, his teaching, it wasn't just nice teaching, you take it or leave it, it had the kink seal. Um, Norman Geisler gives a definition of a miracle. A miracle is a special act of God that interrupts the normal course of events. Now, interestingly enough, probably the best definition of miracles was given by an atheist, or who used to be an atheist, Antony Flew. He said, a miracle is something which would never have happened had nature, as it were, been left to its own devices. Now, fascinating story between Antony Flew. He was considered the most prominent atheist of the 20th century. This was the number one atheist of the 1900s. For 50 years, half a century, he was the guy that led the charge of atheism. I remember seeing him debate a Biola professor down at Biola a number of years back. But then it stunned the world when three years before his death, he died in 2010, but in 2007, he said the evidence from science of the accumulation of the things that have to be perfect for life is now so overwhelming that he said, I am no longer an atheist, but a theist, because it couldn't have happened by chance. And, and, and completely rocked the world in 2007, then died uh, three years later. I'm not saying he became a committed follower of Jesus, but I'm saying he went from being an atheist to a theist because he said the universe just couldn't have happened by chance. Now, what's interesting is the evidence I've been primarily using is that of the cosmos, of, of the universe. But you know the thing that convinced Antony Flew was the genetic code in DNA. He said there is no way our DNA genetic code could have happened by accident. There had to have been a designer behind the design, and so he changed his position. Here's the basic question. Is the box open or closed? You see, if you don't believe in God, you believe in a closed box. And that is that simply the universe just randomly, it is what it is, it just happened to appear, here it is, and the box is closed. But we believe there's overwhelming evidence that God created the universe. I would say just if you have an open mind, you have to believe that God created the universe. And if he created the box, he can easily open the box on occasion and change things around within the box. See, if it's a closed box, okay, then it's over and done with. You don't have a chance for miracles if it just all happened by random chance. But if we believe that God created the box, then on occasion, he can open the box and go in and change things and manipulate things because if he created the universe, which is a big deal, he can handle the other miracles, which are, relatively speaking, smaller deals. Uh, I love this quote by Eric Metaxas. No sooner does the subject of miracles arise than someone must ask whether anyone can today really believe in such things. But consider the following. Science today teaches that the universe came into being via the Big Bang, approximately 14 billion years ago. According to this generally accepted theory, all matter in the known universe, more than 100 billion galaxies, each of which contains hundreds of billions of stars and many more planets, exploded out of something smaller than the period at the end of this sentence. 
And it's way smaller in the book than it is up here. The, that's the accepted theory today. That everything of the cosmos, the universe, exploded into existence over 14 billion years from something way smaller than that. Now, if God could do that, then he can do the things that we refer to as miracles uh, within the Bible or within our personal lives. Now, another question I would have that, that really nobody even tries to answer is, okay, it's one thing to explain how it all came from that period. I would ask the question, how the period get there to begin with? It, it, it never is there explanation for that. Never. It's just, just passed over how the period got there to begin with. It just, just is. Uh, there's an explanation for how the period got to be everything we see. But I would even go beyond that and say, how did the, how did the period uh, get there in the first place? Just a reminder of three slides we looked at uh, three weeks ago. Uh, first of all, from uh, Hugh Ross. Uh, Hugh Ross says the probability of these 122 constants, the things that have to be perfect for there to be life, coexisting simultaneously without a designer would be 10 to the 138th power. Uh, one chance in one with 138 zeros behind it. Uh, that means mathematically, if we go uh, to the next one, uh, the, the, there are 10 to the 24th power planets in the universe. Therefore, there is 10 to the 114th power, one chance in one with 114 zeros after a chance that these constants could happen uh, randomly. To me, that's overwhelming evidence. There had to have been a designer behind the design. Um, that's from a Christ follower, Hugh Ross. But here's from one of the biggest scientific names, one of the two or three greats of the last 50 years or so, who was an atheist. Astrophysicist Frederick Hoyle calculated the odds that all the functional proteins necessary for life might form in place by random events. He came up with a figure of one chance in 10 to the 40,000th power. That is one with 40,000 zeros after it, since there are only about 10 to the 80th power subatomic particles in the entire visible universe, he concluded that this is, quote, an outrageously small probability. Life could not have originated here on the earth, nor does it look as though biological evolution can be explained from within an earthbound theory of life. My atheism has been greatly shaken. Uh, Geisler and Turek, again, write, in fact, miracles are not only possible, Miracles are actual because the greatest miracle of all, the creation of the universe out of nothing, has already occurred. So with regard to the Bible, if Genesis 1 verse 1 is true, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, then every other miracle in the Bible is easy to believe. Now with the time that we have uh, remaining, I just want to talk about miracles uh, just for a little bit. And you'll see the chart uh, there in your study outline. There are at least six different categories of unusual events. Uh, let me just kind of go through them. The first is anomalies, they call it. Freaks of nature. The power is physical. The traits are natural event with a pattern. An example is the bumblebee. Did you know that scientists for years have just not been able to understand how a bumblebee flies? Because it has these tiny little wings with a humongous body. It's how people wonder my legs can hold up my body. It's the same principle there. How does that work? But aerodynamically, scientists would say it is impossible for a bumblebee to fly. Now, this is what we call an anomaly. We don't believe it's a miracle. I mean, it is a miracle. But, but it's, it's the kind of thing that eventually we believe scientists will figure it out. As a matter of fact, the latest theory is that the bumblebee has what's called a power pack. 
and somehow that power pack enables him uh, to to stay afloat with small wings, which with such a relatively speaking humongous body. So that's what we call an anomaly. Now there's another one called magic. Okay, another category is magic. Uh, the description of it is sleight of hand. It's the power is human. It, traits are unnatural and man controlled. Example is a rabbit in a hat. Just to do a quick commercial for children's ministries. Last Sunday of this month, we will have a, a world class illusionist here as kind of our Halloween outreach. And he's just, uh, just amazing. But that will all be sleight of hand. And because he's a Christ follower and because he teaches biblical principles through his illusion, he will make it very clear to all of us, this is not any kind of supernatural thing. This is not a miracle. This is, not, this is sleight of hand. Psychosomatic, mind over matter. The power is mental. A traits, it requires faith. It fails for some ill sicknesses, I would say for most sicknesses, and only works for a few, the example of psychosomatic cures. Now, this is an example of this is in the Bible. In Proverbs 17, verse 22, the Bible says, a cheerful heart is good medicine. And the Bible says that a positive outlook will lead to a healthier life. And so there are some things that are psychosomatic. They don't cure everything or most things, but they do cure some things. Now, the one I want to spend a little bit more time on is satanic signs. Description is evil power, and there is some power here. There is, there is some power. Uh, it's evil power. The power is psychic. The traits are evil, falsehood, occult. Now, here's the thing I want to talk about. It's limited in its power, and the example is demonic influence. Now, this is why I would run from anything to do with the occult. Um, Ouija board students here, leave Ouija boards alone. Even something as seemingly harmless as a horoscope. Don't go there because it opens the door for the demonic within our lives. And there is some power there, but it is limited because only God can create life. All Satan can do is mess up life. He, he can't, Satan can't create anything. He can only mess up what God has created. Uh, Genesis 1 verse 21, uh, God says, so God created the great creatures of the sea and everything living uh, with which the water teems and so on. God created. He's the only one that can create life. Uh, God says in Deuteronomy 32 verse 39, see now that I myself am he. There is no God besides me, a big G or little g. I put to death and I bring to life. God is the only one that can create life. Now we see this illustrated in the 10 plagues, in Exodus 8, verse 19. And uh, by the way, uh, for those of you that have children in our children's ministry, uh, you should be so happy that your children are at Purpose Church Children's Ministry. I, I, my favorite night of the year is when I speak uh, three different times to our Awana kids. And I'm telling you, the kids of our church, they are, your kids are so smart. They know so much of the Bible. It's just unbelievable. I was supposed to teach on the story of Moses they could have taught it better than me. And they just go through, and they knew everything. We were talking about this particular story, and they, they were just amazing. The only little error I found is that we were going through, and they could come up with all of the Ten Commandments, but one little girl raised her hand and said, thou shalt not smoke is one of the Ten Commandments. And I said, okay, it's a good health practice not to smoke, but it is not one of the Ten Commandments. So that was the only mistake that I found. But anyway, we were dealing with this story. And in the first two plagues, the first plague is turning of the water in, in, into blood. Okay, the, the magicians of Pharaoh could copy what Moses did. Second plague, where they caused the frogs to come out of the Nile River and come on land. 
the, the magicians of Pharaoh could duplicate that. Then they get to plague number three, which is gnats, G-N-A-T-S, gnats, created out of, life created out of dust. And then they knew they had reached the edge of their power because Satan can't create life. And so the magician said to Pharaoh, and I love this line. This is the most awesome line. This is the finger of God. Woo, I love that. This is the finger of God. This thing is not um, sleight of hand. This thing is not satanic power, which has a, has a limit to it. This now, creation of life, is the finger of God. We are in over our heads beyond our pay grade, uh, the magician said to Pharaoh. Uh, Paul writes in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9, the coming of the lawless one, that is the Antichrist in the end times, will be in accordance with how Satan works. Okay, he's going to do, he works the way Satan works. He will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders that serve the lie. This is why you need to leave anything of the occult, leave it alone, because it serves the lie. It may seem attractive to begin with. It might even be somewhat effective. There is some power there. But remember, it doesn't serve the truth. It eventually serves the lie, and that's what makes it so dangerous. And in Matthew 24, verse 24, Jesus said, For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. To deceive, to serve the lie. That's why you don't get involved in it because there will be a limited power in it which will impress us, but it will serve the lie and it will serve to deceive rather than serve the truth and to lead us uh, in the truth. And then providence. Providence is prearranged events by God. The power is divine. They can be naturally explained, but there's a spiritual context. Here's a great example of fog at Normandy. Um, 1944, uh, uh, 160,000 men under command of General uh, Dwight D. Eisenhower were going to do the largest uh, sea-to-land invasion in human history and against the Nazi regime to eventually bring down uh, Hitler and his Nazi regime. And so they began to pray for fog to protect them. The fog came in and, and so the Nazis could not see where the invasion was taking place in order to, to confront it because the fog at Normandy that day just came in. It hid the troops. So when they came on, they surprised where they landed to the Nazis and were able to successfully land and eventually bring down uh, Hitler. Um, you always get uh, better sermons later on because I get my corrections from the first. So I got the corrected Greek word in the one, and then a World War II veteran handed me this because I mistakenly said that General Patton had the army chaplains pray. And so this World War II veteran said uh, Patton's weather prayer was at the Battle of the Bulge. So this had the opposite happen. Uh, it's a great story where General Patton said to his chaplain, I need myself a weather prayer. And the chaplain says, I don't know if I do weather prayers. And Patton said, you will give me a weather prayer. And so they printed out this fancy, dear Lord of the skies, please open up the skies. Because they needed the opposite. They needed good weather for air support rather than fog like at Normandy. They needed the opposite. And it's considered miraculous how at the Battle of the Bulge, all of a sudden the skies just out of the blue cleared so aircraft could fly, which changed the results of the battle. We would call that providential. And I'm sure you've seen that in your life many times. And then come miracles. Miracles are divine act. They're supernatural. They never fail. They're immediate. The results last. And they always bring glory to God. An example is Jesus rising um, from 
from the dead. One last thing I want to mention, and then we're going to share uh, the Lord's Supper together. You can read your own chart there. You can read that, the difference between divine miracles and satanic uh, signs that are there within your study outline. Um, You ask the question, and many people do, why aren't miracles more common? I mean, you know, why, why didn't God just make them an everyday event like they were in the Bible? And here's the misperception. Do you know they were not a daily event in the Bible? Do you know that miracles in the Bible, there were 250 of them, but they were actually few and far between. Do you know that sometimes they went hundreds of years between miracles in the Bible? 250 miracles in the Bible, but they're clustered around three distinct time periods. Uh, First of all, around the time of Moses and Joshua. Now, why Moses and Joshua? Because every time there's a new revelation from God of, of, of God's word, the Bible, every time there's a new revolution, revelation, there are miracles clustered around it to put the king's signet ring, the king's sign on it that this is legitimately from the king. And so about the time of the giving of the law of Moses, around the time of Moses and Joshua, you see a cluster of miracles. Around the time of Elijah and Elisha, in order to affirm the ministry of the prophets, the period where the prophets were giving words from God. The cluster of miracles there, why? To give the king's signet ring, the sign that this is from the king. And then, of course, during the time of Jesus and the apostles, uh, because it's the birth of the church, there were a cluster of miracles. Why? To show them, like we saw in the video clip, uh, even though that's a, that's a Hollywood one, imagining after the resurrection, but miracles like that, why did, you know, he says to Bartholomew, um, the Roman soldier says, why did you follow him? Why did you follow him? I mean, there are a lot of people saying a lot of things. He says, because of that, there were signs given that this is the, the king's sign, that this is coming uh, from the king. It's why you hear more stories of miracles. Now, miracles happen in our lives today. I'm not saying they just happen at these times. Uh, please, they happen all the time. I mean, how many of you would say you've experienced a miracle in your life or somebody close to you has experienced a miracle? Yeah, they still happen today. Um, but, but they are clustered around these times. And what you'll hear is stories, you'll hear more miracles clustered from the mission field, when the gospel, when the Bible first goes to a new culture, you will hear more stories of the miraculous God confirming his word. For example, in the Muslim world right now, we are hearing astounding stories of Muslims having dreams where Jesus appears to them in their dream and says, come follow me. It's just crazy how it's just changing what's happening in the Middle East. More people coming to Christ out of Islam than any other time in human history. And that's for a lot of reasons. But one of them is because of these uh, dreams. And so you will see more of that clustered around. Now, as we, as we kind of segue towards sharing the Lord's Supper together, you know what the greatest miracle of all is? The greatest miracle of all is not the opening of the Red Sea in the Old Testament or the healing of the leper in the New Testament. The greatest miracle of all is, is not the creation of the universe from something smaller than the period at the end of a sentence. The greatest miracle of all is when a sinner like you and me, on our way to hell, gets radically saved and changes direction. What the Bible refers to as repents. And we're going in one direction off of a cliff to hell. And, and, and all of a sudden, God gets a hold of our hearts and our lives. And we repent of that. And we turn to the cross of Jesus. And that's what we celebrate here. We celebrate in the Lord's Supper the greatest miracle of all time. The bread representing his body on the cross. The cup representing his blood shed on the cross. The greatest miracle of all 
is that Jesus would look off from the cross and see me and you and say, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And then like the thief crucified next to Jesus, we cry out to Jesus and say, Jesus, would you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And Jesus turns to us and says for that simple prayer of faith, today and for eternity, you're gonna be with me in paradise, in heaven. That is the greatest miracle of all. And you've got a chance to grab a hold of that miracle today. Um, Everybody here is welcome to celebrate that miracle by sharing the Lord's Supper. You just need to know that you're a follower of Jesus, that you have grabbed a hold, you have claimed that miracle. You say, Glenn, how do I know if I've done it or if I'd like to do it today, how would I do it? If you look in front of you there in the book rack, you'll see a card that says resource on it, how to become a follower of Jesus. And there's a little suggested prayer there. And if you've prayed that prayer or something like it in the past, or if you'd like to pray that today, you can leave here with the greatest miracle of all, which is a person forgiven of our wrongdoing on our way to heaven to spend it there in eternity with Jesus. And I invite you to pray that prayer if you've never done it right here, right now, and then to celebrate it outwardly by the sharing of the Lord's Supper. That's what we do once a month. We remember the greatest miracle of all. And all God's family said, amen. Amen. Let's take just a moment now and prepare our hearts to receive the Lord's Supper.